Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials. That's it, all of them, and all of their mascots, who apparently all live together according to today's topic. So let's go back to the ancient year of our Lord, 2014, and find out how Murray saved Christmas. I am suffering from superficial fractures of my little baby toes, Mike Westfall. Almost didn't get that one out. And joining me <laughs> is Queen Hannah of Banana Land themselves. Please welcome back Michael Giovanni. Hello, Dijo. Hello, Mike. I'm perfectly shibble and ready to glibble. Perfect. And he's got a lot of problems with you people. And now you're going to hear about... Oh, wait. Sorry, that's the wrong show. Please welcome back Donnie Storms. Hey, Donnie. Hi, Mike. Uh, I mean, it is true. I do have lots of problems with lots of people, but I'll try to keep my uh, commentary confined to the the Christmas special today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, Mr. DiGiovanni, you've been very patient with me and we finally got into it. (laughs) So now I must ask, how did you find this? You know what? I don't remember. It must have been back in the old terrestrial TV days. Remember the the old days of 2014 when people had cable? I I stumbled upon this somehow. I'm I you know, when you get around the holidays, I'm always game to watch new specials. Everyone has the traditions of going back and uh watching your faves, but I've always got my eye out for okay, when are they, you know, who's developing a, a new special that me and uh that me and the family can watch. And I stumbled upon this one. And it's become a bit of an annual tradition for me. And uh, especially my kids like it. Uh, that is one thing. And that's another reason why I kind of watch it uh, annually. And it was, but uh, you know, it's here you have this excellent show, the Advent Calendar House podcast, where you delve into the greats and the obscure and the not so great uh, Christmas specials. I think I've been on a few of those not so great ones. Uh, but <laughs> I wanted you, I've been asking for you to do this for, I think we were talking back in the advent calendar green room here, what, two, three years I've asked for this? I think the first time you mentioned it was was way back in 2018 when we were talking about the Grinch. That's right. Imagine me doing those like Wayne's World finger things as we do like a flashback now. (laughs) We can do Uh, that. When Murray Saved Christmas. I don't know if anyone ever watched that. I'm not familiar with that one. Jason Alexander's a voice. Uh, Jerry Stiller is in uh, Is in it. He's the lead character. He plays Murray. It's <laughs> Jerry I Stiller's to, the main character. He's the main character. He plays Murray. And it's very funny. I would plug that right now. I would watch it. It's become one that we watch every year. It's the, yeah, Murray Saves Christmas, I believe, is the title of it. Nice. I'll check that out. On the to-do list. How Murray yeah. Saves Christmas. Here we go. But the reason I think I wanted you to do this one is for a couple reasons. One, it's this sort of like a love letter to Christmas specials in a weird way. It's extremely postmodern, but most of all, 
it's just completely bizarre. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Donnie, you mentioned this was sitting on your DVR. How did you hear about this special? <laughs> okay. So, uh, kind of, kind of like Michael there. I, uh, I, I'm a connoisseur of everything Christmas. Uh, I like Christmas more than I like most people. Um, <laughs> if it's, if it's Christmas, I will buy it. It's the easiest way. Like I have so many, uh, Funko pops now because they were just like, Hey, it's the Christmas version of this thing you already have. And I'm like, well, gotta own it. Um, <laughs> my Christmas tree has been up for, uh, over the last 364 days. It's still up. It's not coming down. I've just decided it's a staple of my house. Good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, when I saw, uh, the, the listings every, every Christmas I'll check the listings and see what new things are coming on. Like Michael does. And, um, I saw this one pop up. And so I was like, eh, never heard of it. Sounds fun. I'll go ahead and record it. And so I did. And, uh, uh, I've, it's just been sitting on there. I'm like, I've watched it before. I've watched it a couple times. Um, but never really thought anything of it. Uh, until of course, Michael started badgering Mike to, uh, to, to, to run the, the special for it. Um, I discovered yesterday, actually, that the version I have on my DVR is a 30 minute truncated cut out as much of the offensive stuff as they can version of the special. And oh. so, yeah. So this afternoon I had to go back and watch the full version. Thank God for, uh, the, the video streaming site. That's not YouTube. Um, <laughs> It rhymes with Schmaley Schmotion. <laughs> yes, Daily Motion. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't know if we were uh, trying to, to save our, our specials from not being dumped off of the internet. Um, so I found a, a version of Daily Motion and went back and watched it, and it's it blows my mind just how much of it was cut. Um, which you know, we'll I'll, I'll get to when we're actually talking about it. But um, yeah, I I actually messaged Mike yesterday, and I I said to him, I said I'm super excited to talk about the best Simpsons episode. That's not a Simpsons episode. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that pretty much covers my history with this special. It's just some random thing that I have sitting on my DVR with the likes of, uh, Scoot and Cassie's Christmas adventure. And, uh, also Buster and Chauncey's silent night. So that, that tells you the, the deep cuts that I have saved on my DVR. Well, I'm writing those down for later because <laughs> I haven't heard of either of them. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of this one until DJ brought it up. Um, I completely missed this when it first aired. Debuted December 5th, 2014 on NBC. It's a 2D animated special written by Mike Rice, one of the original writers and showrunners of The Simpsons and co-creator of The Critic. And as soon as I saw that, everything about this special just clicked for me because the mm -hmm. writing throughout this whole thing seemed very 90s to me. Yeah, it yeah, as soon as you hear that credit, it all starts to make sense. This thing really leans into the using air quotes Simpsons of it all. Like they were you can tell what they were Mr. Rice was doing. This is based off of a a couple uh children's books that he also wrote. Yes. But but the the special itself is trying to embody that that sort of Simpsons and, you know, to a lesser effect, the critic kind of humor template. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned the book. It's it's adapted mostly from the book also entitled How Murray Saved Christmas from 2004 that Rice wrote 
and it's mostly faithful to them. Uh, a lot of the jokes and the rhymes are pulled straight from this book, like the line, uh, there were dolls that said mama and dolls that said goo, dolls that make music and dolls that make poo. That's on page one of the book. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Doing> it hot. <laughs> uh, almost this entire special is told in rhyme, by the way. Narrated by Dennis Haysbert. North of the North Pole and south of the stars lies a quaint little village called Stinky Cigars. The name is so awful that folks pass right by it. It's a trick that we use to keep our town quiet. Allstate guy. That's okay. That's your go-to for Dennis Haysbert. That's my go-to for Dennis Haysbert. Okay. Yes. Do you have a different one, <laughs> DJ? Yeah, I think of him as twenty-four president. Okay. See, I was thinking that's we got two out of three. I believe most people know him as the Allstate guy. One of three things: Allstate twenty-four. For me, it's Pedro Serrano from Major League. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. That's pretty good, too. And I'm glad you, as the sole Canadian on this podcast, I'm glad you understood I was talking about the show 24 and wasn't miscorrectly saying he was the 24th president. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he might be, he might be a president at some point. You never know (laughs) the way things are going. Grover Cleveland was Dennis Haysbert in disguise the second time. (laughs) all this time (laughs) i like him as the narrator and i have to say and i'm curious about both of you fellas if they they really stick to that rhyming as you said mike like it goes throughout all of it i kind of like it i think it adds to the storybook quality uh to the special it's kind of dr seussian a little bit yes um uh, they have a lot of fun with the rhyming, obviously. I I didn't get burned out of that. Did did, did you guys? I did not. And that's mostly because uh, talking like that is a daily occurrence for me. Um, <laughs> l- little, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a children's librarian. Oh, that, so, yes. that'll do it. Uh, the the it's it's just my natural state to when something happens a lot of times to follow it up with a rhyme about it. Uh, I, I can't, of course, because I'm on the spot now, I can't think of any examples. I know but, I was going, when's he going to rhyme? When is he going <laughs> to exactly rhyme? Gonna do it? I don't have that um, kind of energy. My kids yeah, just yeah. finished like a production of Susical that they were supposed to put on last year. And then everything shut down and they picked up again this year and it just wrapped up. So I'm all rhymed out, man. I mean, I, <laughs> I blame Christmas Bride. Uh, Christmas Bride. That's another one. No, I blame uh, Princess Bride because of the whole uh, anybody want a peanut part. Uh, so now I just kind of do that on a daily basis. So when I see it pop up in something like this, I'm like, wow, I, I dig this. This speaks to me. They're speaking my language. So, yeah, no, I loved it as well. Oh, I think it's totally charming. Uh, I think it only adds to all of this. Uh, it actually might make it better than what it would have been if it didn't rhyme. So it it absolutely adds that extra charm to it. It has that Grinch sort of feel, which I think is what made you bring it up when we were talking about the Grinch three years ago. Um, yeah. This, I, this does not work if it doesn't rhyme. No, I, I mean, it, it works, it might work, but I don't think it has, I, I think it loses so much that you're like, oh man, this is, this is not good if you watch it without the rhyme. The rhyme adds so much. I, I think it, it's, it's integral. To making it work as a special. Oh, yeah. A lot of the jokes depend on it, right? It's just mm-hmm. we needed a funny rhyme. So here we go. 
One notable change from the book, though, is the titular Murray's last name. In the TV special, he's Murray Weiner, spelled like Wiener, but it's pronounced Weiner, so it can rhyme with Diner, which he owns. In the book, he is Murray Kleiner to make the same rhyme. I don't know why they did that. Yeah, what I, I'm I'm trying to even imagine what the reason could have been. Is I, I mean, I think you answered your own question. It's because it's spelled like Wiener. Maybe that's <laughs> it. That's got to be it. I can understand not wanting to make it Wiener in the books, not because it looks like Wiener. Well, kind of because it does. People would probably misread it as Wiener first. Then read the yeah. next line and, oh, diner, it must. Okay. I don't know. Of course, we all remember that great Nickelodeon show, Winerville. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the voice of Murray Weiner in the special is the late, great December holiday icon, Jerry Stiller. It's such a nice place, you just want to throw up. Everyone's happy except Murray Weiner, owner of Murray's Holiday Diner. Murray is grouchy and cranky and crabby, nasty and ghastly, obnoxious and flabby, ill-tempered, ill-natured, malevolent and... All right, they get it. Yes. Yeah, perfectly cast, in in my humble opinion. He's just so perfect as that cantankerous sort of like oaf that it's just, I think he is, he's really the rock of this special for me. And I don't mean Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, this was one of his last performances. I think it was this Zoolander two, some animated Zoolander thing. And that might've been it. Yeah. This was very close to the end for sure. But right up until then, I mean, he was banging on all cylinders and I really, really appreciate that and respect Jerry Stiller for it. Mm -hmm. So Murray's holiday diner is located in the town of stinky cigars named that on purpose so no one will actually go there and discover that it's the actual home of Santa Claus and his elves and also every other holiday mascot. And you see them all from the Easter Bunny and St. Patrick to the Arbor Day Aardvark and Labor Day Amos. (laughs) That's one of the best parts of this is just, and after you've seen it once, is just kind of absorbing the all of the other holiday stars or icons uh, there the did you have a favorite because i mean i'm glad you brought up arbor day aardvark because he's pretty great that was going to be my next uh my next question but my favorite is i'm gonna call him hanukkah wolverine it's a guy in a superhero costume with a star of david on his chest and a pair of menorahs that come out of his arms like adamantium claws (laughs) I want to know more about this guy. Mike Rice was raised Jewish. I want to learn more about Hanukkah Wolverine, Mike Rice. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty great. Uh, the I'm assuming the pumpkin head guy is Halloween. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah like yeah. and but he he's it, I I really appreciate. Because, I mean, you know, this this uh, this special's happening right around Christmas. He's clearly an off-season because he's just wearing, like, a plaid shirt, pair of pants. Like, he's not scary. He's like, you know, wait till wait till October. I mean, I, I completely lean into it. But I, I just, I liked him, but he was so dressed down. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's got, like, a Hawaiian shirt. I think there were black cats on it. So it's it's themed, but still, it's, it's casual day for Halloween. <laughs> So my favorite 
Um, and it's, it's because of the fact that it's such a subtle joke and she actually never gets named, uh, Bastille day. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that Bastille day isn't there, they never name her. And the only reason you know that she's Bastille day is because in the one scene, she jumps up on the barricade and starts waving the French flag. And the easiest way to get my money is to make Les Mis jokes. So, uh, <laughs> like, it just absolutely, as soon as she jumped up, I was like, wait a minute, that's Bastille Day. Yeah. And that was when I paused and started naming off, like, going in and finding the the, the different characters and naming them off and, and trying to figure out which holidays they were. But, yeah, no, Bastille Day, definitely my favorite. That's a good pick. Uh, I counted 27, possibly 28 different holidays represented in Stinky Cigars. And maybe I'll list them in the show notes, but there are a lot of good ones. Like we're recording this on the night of Cinco de Mayo. There's a Cinco de Mayo man in a sombrero. Yeah. There's an April fool who's got on a tacky tie and mismatched stocks. Santa, Easter Bunny, Arbor Day Aardvark. There's a guy with a globe for a head named Earth Day. There's one I couldn't figure out what it was. It's just a woman in glasses wearing yes! a purple dress and a cardigan. It's got to be Secretary's Day. That's what or I thought. That's what I thought too. Call it Secretary's Day now because you can't say Secretary's Day. It's got to be. Okay, I'm glad that you both are on the same page as me. She's just a background character. She's clearly supposed to be some holiday because everybody living in this town, besides Murray and a few others we meet, are identified, uh, or or they're elves or they're Santa's elves. That's it. That's the only sort of people who live here. And I thought, all right, well, I'm guessing Secretary's Day, but they don't actually. The others, at least, if you can't figure it out, they have labels on them. Like there's a kid in a graduation cap and gown. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a woman wearing a sash that says Miss Kwanzaa. (laughs) Uh, So bad. So bad. I, I do really like the idea of this town, though. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love this. This this strange village of just all of these people cohabitating. Like it's just, it's so really weird, but it's also a really fun idea. The the only plot hole for me in this concept, because of course it needs to have a plot hole uh, is like, are these really Lincoln Columbus and Washington? Like, are they, did, this, did they die and their spirits went there are they trapped in this town oh, no. or is it just the spirit of the holiday personifies as the, the, the person, cause that's what personifies means. Uh, the spirit <laughs> becomes a, the, the person and they end up having to live out in the town. I, I couldn't figure that out. Like, which is it? <laughs> I'm going to go with it's like their essence is there. The person I'm going to like, okay. I like your personification idea. It's that, Yes, Abraham Lincoln lived his life, but maybe this is his, like the personification or the essence of him now is forever going to be one of these holiday spirits, if you will. There you go. Essence of Lincoln, also my favorite cologne. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a bummer to have to live like the rest of eternity. That's your eternal reward? Hanging out in the <laughs> town of stinky cigars with George oh, Washington and Uncle Sam and doing three Stooges bits. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> no Canada Day resident, DJ. 
I know. Don't even don't even start. It, <laughs> yeah, this thing is pretty America focused. Yes. Let's just let's just say that. Absolutely. Yeah, not not a sing. I mean, you can't even throw a lumberjack in there, a beaver. A, like, come on, you can't. Where's the love for Canada here? Bastille Day's in here. Well, what's the other? Yeah, no, that's it. That's the only other holiday that gets one. Um, we meet all of these. As Santa Claus leads the town in the official Stinky Cigars town anthem, which very much sets the tone for the whole special. And the voice of Santa, along with the Easter Bunny, who appropriately provides a hip-hop break, is voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, S to the T-I-N to the K-Y. Stinky, stinky cigars. Are either of you familiar with Kevin Michael Richardson? I feel like I am, but I'm not placing where he's from. He's done a lot of voice acting. Um, yeah. Two roles of his I'm most familiar with. Uh, in the movie Lilo and Stitch, he's Captain Gantu, the big shark-looking alien. And on the other end of his range, he is Cleveland Jr. from the Cleveland Show and Family Guy. Oh, right. So I had, I had looked him up because uh, I... I wanted to see uh, who the, because I recognized a lot of the, the background voices. And so I was like, Oh, well let's see who this guy is and found that he's been pretty, pretty much anything, everything. Um, if you can think of an animated project in the last, I don't know, like 10 years, he's pretty much done a voice in it. Uh, he is the new Dr. Hibbert. Yes. After they replaced, after they replaced Dr. Hibbert, he's Dr. Hibbert's voice. Yep. So that's fun. Um, he's been in so many other things, just a ridiculous number of properties. So yeah, this guy's a heavy hitter. Can we talk about the design of Santa? Uh, you know, this is something that comes up on your show a lot, Mike. Yes. Where people go, what's your favorite Santa like design in uh, all these specials? This one, I have two notes. One, he's kind of rocking the Tim Allen Santa Claus a little bit where he's got the short hair on top and then the big long beard, which is a little, not my favorite look, but did anyone else notice he had a lot of bling on? Like he had multiple rings. <laughs> he did. I did notice that. Uh, first thing I noticed, you're right, is that crew cut. He's got a very short crew cut on head and the big long beard. But yeah, he is sporting a lot of rings on his fingers. He wants to let everybody know that that he's important. <laughs> I mean, it's his right. I, I <laughs> he's he is Santa after all. He is Santa. But, uh, yeah, no, I you're you're exactly right. And it is kind of different to see I mean, it's it's got to be intentional that because and, and and I say that because there's a point later where Santa reveals and I, I don't want to jump the gun too much where he reveals he might not be quite as jolly as we've expected him to be. But maybe it's a whole like uh, commentary on, you know, we classically see Santa as a guy who gives out presents and gives away everything. And, and he has, he has you know, like, meager living space and stuff. And here's this Santa with like rings and he's really focused on looking good and, and everything. Maybe it's a commentary. Maybe it's backwards on purpose. Could be. Could be. Very good point. While we're talking about voices, I'll quickly shout out some other names credited as additional voices, but I, I believe I figured out a few. Maurice LaMarche is a few. He's best known as the voice of the brain. He's a few voices here. I recognize him as Lincoln and Uncle Sam 
and the Woody Allen-like Groundhog for Groundhog Day. I'm under such pressure to see my shadow and, and get winter over already. What if I don't see it? I mean, should I lie? Woody, yeah. Woody Allen? Woody Allen. <laughs> uh, Tress McNeil is here to voice various female characters, including Bastille Day. Liberty! Uh, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm pretty sure he's the Thanksgiving turkey who sounds like Paul Lind. Well, that killed half the day. Is he also the April Fool's guy? Maybe. He might be, now that you mention it. Yahtzee. I think Billy West is the April Fool's guy. Is he? Okay. Because I think the April Fool's guy, and I could be wrong, but to me, I'm hearing notes of i feel like we're doing this like we're tasting wine i'm hearing <laughs> notes of stimpy and fry in his voice oh you're right you're yeah you know it. yeah i'm pretty sure billy west is april okay. april fools it's hard because tom kenny does a lot of that type of voice too right uh, and the last one i will mention uh nick jameson who was another president on 24 russian president uh suvorov uh <laughs> and he was palpatine in the clone wars I don't know what voice he does here, but he's credited. There are a lot of elves and a lot of holidays, and I'm sure he's one of them, but I just wanted to shout him out real quick. Uh, and that's all of them, I think. And then we finally meet Murray, the grouchy owner of the Holiday Diner, a hot spot for mascots and Christmas elves alike, including, quote, an odd little fellow named Edison Elf, voiced by Sean Hayes. It's Jack from Will and Grace. I'm Edison Elf. I'm a bit of a tinkerer. Kid, as a tinkerer, you are a stinkerer. I like an elf in Crocs. I'll just (laughs) say that. That's my kind of elf. So Edison is an elf who is trying to invent the next big toy. But his inventions include horse socks and a paddle ball on a string made of a tiny pizza and a meatball, which I kind of want, but not left under my tree on the living room floor. But I mean, Pizza Hut, make that. Make it a book and prize. (laughs) (laughs) Edison's big breakthrough is the Jack in the Boxer, which contains a boxing glove on a spring that he's sure kids will love. Well, Murray doesn't think so, and he tells Edison as much, adding he should show it to Santa if he thinks it's so great. So he does, and we cut to Santa's workshop, or sweatshop, as the elves suggest in this next song. Oh, we work, 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 work. We work with great endurance. We never miss a day of work because we don't have health insurance. Oh, the work, 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 work. Um, whether you like this one or not, it does kind of get stuck in the old brain. It is such an earworm. Uh, <laughs> I, I found myself uh, walking around the house this afternoon um, going, you know, doing my, my chores and stuff oh, no. and found myself singing it. And I'm like, huh, well, that's new. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> expect to have that one be in my head. You're welcome. Two favorite parts to this one, the 1984 banners in the background that read Santa is watching Santa. you. <laughs> <laughs> and two, when Santa walks in, who wants cocoa? It's $8 for large, five bucks for the small. Yeah. This is what I mean when I say the special feels very 90s. This could have easily fit into a Golden Age Simpsons episode. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. The the line in the song that, that got me and made me realize 
just exactly why I'd only ever seen this aired exactly once was the line about how they uh, they do all the work because they're cheaper than the Chinese. Yep. Like I was I, I think I was watching this with with my mom and both of us. We were eating dinner. And both of us just our mouths dropped like did did they really just say that? Yeah, so, and this is it, it's the first of a few things that yeah. are going to come up where you're going to go, uh, oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it, the most surprising part to me was that this is only 7 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it is funny. It feels quite aged in a in a strange sense. But uh like it re- like, I I agree with you. It feels like it came out uh, in the late nineties and would have aired on Fox. Oh yeah. As opposed to 2014 on NBC. Yeah. That, that just, that part just blew me away. And then when I saw Mike Rice's name attached to it, Oh, that explains everything. It's, it's a cry for help really, because I mean, <laughs> if, if you've watched regular modern Simpsons, it's nothing like this. No, this is like 90 Simpsons. Yeah. And so, I, I get the feeling that maybe they needed a creative outlet to actually do some of those jokes that they made famous. And uh, this was it. And no, it didn't age well, but I prefer this over the lukewarm stuff that we get on the Simpsons now. So, uh, you know, whatever. Sure. So we find out it's Christmas Eve. Santa's getting ready to leave. Edison Elf does approach him at this point, wanting to show off his Jack in the Boxer which punches Santa in right in the face and sends him backward into his own sleigh, causing his 50-foot-tall bag of toys to spill out onto his head. And here's where I'm expecting everyone in town, or at least the workshop, to get angry at Edison. Like, look what you did. You ruined Christmas. But that doesn't happen here. No, it's pretty laissez-faire that, like, everyone is just kind of like, well... Uh, that happened again. I mean, well, you, there's a sign that says there's yes! what 364, 364 days without an, accident. <laughs> without an accident. So you'd think that this isn't a common occurrence, but no one. You're you're right, Mike. That, that no one really makes a big deal out of this. They're just sort of like it's almost like they kind of wanted Santa to take a fall. Could be. <laughs> Didn't think about that part. Given the context, though, I would argue the opposite, that it actually is a common occurrence because it's been 364 days without an accident, which means the last time there was an accident was on Christmas. Right. Which means that in this town, something goes wrong every Christmas, which I think is probably supposed to be a play on how Christmas always needs saving. There's a thousand different Christmas specials yeah. Oh, yeah. where Christmas needs saving. And so the fact that this is this year up, oh, Santa got punched in the face. That's how it happened this year, huh? Okay, <laughs> let's move on. And oh Don, Don, you're totally right. It's that this special has one of the treasured, the tried and true tropes of any kind of uh, Christmas story where it's the subbing for Santa storyline. Yep. Right? Like, as you're saying, like, how many, like, I think every cartoon that's ever existed did an episode of this where you had to have, well, Fred Flintstone's gotta be Santa this year and the Tasmanian devil. Like 
there's so like there's so many of uh, like this is just such a trope but i mean it's one that i love but it's i i like how you're kind of saying they this probably happened last year that they, someone else <laughs> yeah. had to do and this, the year before yeah. that and the yeah. year before that and so on and so forth there it is oh that makes perfect sense now that you put it like that i also think it was a good way for them to work in the uh number of days without an accident sign you know because the it's in the simpsons opening and they yeah. just really like that joke that's usually played very well uh, and it is here too uh, yeah. well and edison does the responsible thing and calls in the town physician doc holiday and it's jerry stiller's tv son jason alexander santa claus is suffering from Superficial fractures of his little baby toeses. His ears move south and now his mouth is pushed up where his nose is. I'm so glad he gets to sing. Jason Alexander doesn't get to sing often enough. And he, the, Doc Holliday might be one of my favorite parts of this, uh, of this special, because his joy and just desire to do musical numbers is <laughs> quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, he, he very joyfully diagnoses Santa in the form of a Mary Poppins room with a slight concussion <laughs> and assorted side effects. Oh, and by the way, you have to cancel Christmas. Bye. Christmas must be canceled. That's the end of the discussion. <laughs> it's unfortunate that that's the only part like. Yeah, Jason Alexander is a big part of this, but he's just in here to be like, well, you got to cancel Christmas. Here's what's wrong with him. Here's a great musical number. And he's out. He was busy that week. But I am so glad he's here. And he's got a he's got a really good singing voice. He does. He um, I mean, he's done theater, hasn't he? He's done theater. Um, If you remember the version of Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney Houston. He's in that. He sings a whole bit on that yes. because he's, uh, yeah, he's uh, the, the Duke, the King's mm -hmm. Grand Duke. Um, in 2004, he was Jacob Marley in the musical version of A Christmas Carol with Kelsey Grammer. You ever see that? I've not, no. but now I want to. Yes, he's in that. First time I ever saw Jason Alexander sing is in an old McDonald's commercial for the McDLT. That I remember. Yeah, that I totally remember. Full head of hair, Jason Alexander in it, like white 80s suit, just dancing in the street about the McDLT. It's fantastic. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. And the hot stays hot. The new McDLT. Hot, hot. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. And the cool stays cool. The new McDLT. Cool, crisp. The beef stays hot. The cool stays crisp. Put it together, you can't resist. The hottest taste, the coolest dish. Keep it hot, hot. Keep it cool, cool. McDLT, McDLT. Hot, beefy McD. Cool, crisp LT. McD, LT. It's a good time. Hot, beefy McD. For the great taste. Cool, crisp LT. Of McDonald's. Could be the best tasting lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. New McD. Well, next we find Edison trying to come to terms with ruining Christmas as he paces through the snow in a little circle. So many times he actually paces himself into a little donut-shaped trench that he can't get out of by himself. So he uses one of his inventions, a very loud snooze alarm watch that alerts the entire town. That that's a good little gag. The the walking and walking in circles so much and making a trench. Yeah. I, I that I, I I enjoyed that. And, and I especially enjoyed the entire town showing up to send their love down the trench. <laughs> <laughs>
which is really what it felt like to me. Well, it makes sense. Well, that joke worked. We'll put that in, too. They all rush to save Edison, and here, again, is where I think, oh, now they're going to save him only to find out he ruined Christmas and get mad. But no, they're all glad he's safe. And they see Santa in a very dire state as he dances out in his underwear with bananas draped on his head and his shoulders, (laughs) shouting, I'm Queen Hannah of Banana Land. (laughs) I think Donnie's really... Nailed the voice, Mike. Just nailed it. That's perfect. I actually thought that was an audio clip, in fact. Right? I oh, just dear. inserted into the show. Hello, I'm Queen Hannah of Banana Land. I'm really picking up the the what Donnie said here, that I think this is a regular thing that Santa is knocked out of commission every Christmas because no one the no one is surprised by this. No one is upset. It feels very familiar. Edison s- starts to sing a whole song about everybody getting together and working together to save Christmas, and they're all on board immediately. Got lots and lots of problems, and the time is tight. Gotta hand out all those presents by the end of the night. We got a whole lot that we gotta achieve, but you gotta believe on Christmas Eve. It is a good song. This song, you gotta believe it's called, got nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, this I I think uh, this is my favorite of the songs. The one thing I will say that's consistent about almost all of the the music in this, though, is the songs all feel like they go on just a hair too long. Now, I don't know if that is almost intentionally a joke because some of the characters kind of mention that, but the, the, as likable and as kind of upbeat as this, you got to believe is it does feel like you go, okay, you, all right. end the song now, like it does kind of, it feels like it it wears out. It's welcome somewhat. Well, I think that is part of the joke because it does abruptly. Like they, uh, you get a piano solo at the end. It's, it's the Mardi Gras man. Who's just a, a, guy in Mardi Gras New Orleans get up jamming on this piano. It's little Richard in Mardi Gras makeup, basically. Yep. I was going to say he reminded me of a uh, professional wrestler, Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> oh that's, so, that's it. That's good it. Pull, oh, good wow. Pull. He'll always be Mark Merrow to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because he probably wishes he was Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, Mardi Gras man goes on this extended solo. Everybody just stops and stares at him until the Chinese New Year dragon, who's also in this, sets his piano on fire. Chinese New Year dragon is is kind of an uh, uh, an unsung hero of this of this movie. He is, and I say that because uh, it, it, near the beginning, uh, there's a joke where I can't remember who it is. Um, it's one of the holidays. It's has, uh, Saint Patrick. Uh, it's Saint Patrick. Yes. Yes, you're exactly right. It's St. Patrick, and he wants his his steak well done. And he, you know, Murray's like, oh, it's underdone, huh? And he holds it up. And uh, Chinese New Year dragon just kind of turns his head, blows fire on it, and cooks it more. And he gives it back to him. And St. Patrick's like, oh, that's perfect. Much obliged. Um, 
I loved it because it's such a great, first of all, it's such a subtle joke, but it reminded me so much of a, of a pull from the Simpsons. Like that's a joke that they would have done. That would have been so out of left field, given that they're normal people supposedly living in a normal town. But here it, it really worked as if it was just something that regularly happened. Yep. <laughs> that's it. That's his, uh, unofficial job when he's at the diner, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So everybody helps clean up the toys, except Murray, who's still back working the diner, washing dishes and being grouchy. And Doc Holliday, whom they sent to order dinner. And now all that's left to do is figure out who's going to drive the sleigh. And it's chaos at the workshop. The two presidents and Uncle Sam are fighting like the Three Stooges. The groundhog ate the naughty and nice list. Labor Day Amos leads the elves in a strike. And that is when Murray shows up with dinner, quickly hands out everything that everyone ordered. Lincoln, here's your hot pastrami. Washington gets cold salami. Columbus asked for rigatoni. St. Pat ordered fried bologna. Piece of fish, sirloin steak, meat knish, carrot cake. In April Fool, I don't know why, ordered compact disc sunrise. Yum. And there it is. Edison realizes you, Murray, have to replace Santa tonight. But he refuses for an hour, we're told. It's please, no, please, no. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no. <laughs> That's another good bit. Too. That is yeah, a good I like bit. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, till Murray walks out and back to his diner to spend Christmas Eve alone, going through his old photos of him and his former lover, the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> what a catch. Hey, man. So. Uh, it's at this point I should point out that uh, this entire plot line was cut from the 30 minute version. What? They cut yep. this? They cut this out. So uh, in in the 30 minute version, he's he's looking through his his pictures and he stops on Murray. Murray loves kids. The picture of of him playing with the children. That's where they stop. They, they cut that out. They cut everything else out everything else after that out. And it's just a picture of him playing with the kids. And then uh, uh, Edison comes in and tries to convince him. They cut the entire plot line with uh, Lady Liberty and Murray's origin story and everything completely cut. See, now that's surprising to me because I would have some other suggested cuts that we can talk about once we get to them. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm surprised. I will you... confirm whether or not they're cut because I'm pretty sure we're thinking about the same <laughs> part. And I will assure you, it is in fact cut. Today was my first time seeing it. Oh, but, good. But yeah, um, the uh, the entire origin, which I thought was a really odd choice. Like, yeah, that that is odd because there's a. It's actually it gives some motivation and there's some heart involved in this as well. I think um, it, and I, and I like the idea where it kind of explains why Murray would maybe be there because it turns out he was a holiday star as well. I'm so surprised because even here, you know, Edison goes, we get the old lights, please. And (laughs) Murray gives him 60 seconds to, explain why Murray should help save Christmas. And it all boils down to Christmas being a time to think of others instead of yourself before his minutes up. And Edison sadly starts to walk out and Murray's looking back down on his book and the photo album with, with Libby is what he calls her on their first Christmas together. And that's what makes him say, I'll do it. Yeah. 
30 minute version. It's just because he really likes kids and he doesn't want kids to be sad, which. <sighs> that is a strange choice. That is a really strange yeah. choice for me. Yeah. It's not bad, but that was a good plot point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, I, I, I will tell you, it's it's like watching two completely different specials watching. And I, I know that's a kind of a dumb thing to say, because obviously, but uh, <laughs> but there's so much added in the full length one that gets taken away. Um, and this being one of them. And I think that um, to to recognize, you know, that 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 Murray's been through some stuff, he's had a hard time. It gives you so much more context to number one, why he's grouchy. Number two, why he's in the town in the first place. Right. And right. Uh, it, it really, I think, really just kind of sets everything up. I, I love a good origin story. And this, yeah. I think, did a really nice job of giving him some some character development. And the 30-minute version just eschews all of that because who cares? It's a man who's saving Christmas. That's really all he is in the 30-minute version is he's just some guy. Huh. So. Yeah. That's weird. That's really weird. It is. It's very, very, it's incredibly strange. Well, before we get to that origin story, we get a quick scene of Mary putting on Santa's suit and it's too big, but there's no time. So he just deals with it and off they go. And here comes a recurring joke through the rest of this. Mary can't remember the names of the reindeer. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I, I, I love his failed attempts yeah. at naming the reindeers. <laughs> this is, these are great. Do you have a favorite wrong reindeer name? Well, I, I, I kind of like when he gets into, I think it's the second time when he does it, when he actually mentions like Spock and Uhura. Yep, that's mine. There's Bambi and Rambo and Dopey and Duck, Scotty and Sulu, Uhura and Spock. But I, I mean, obviously the the Cosmo, Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. Yeah, like <laughs> that was like, I wrote uh, down. I hey, got it. on Seinfeld. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, Uhura and Spock got the biggest laugh out of me too. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. And you know why that works is because he does four of them. He makes the four characters who have a, con- a connection, he makes that, that stands and he makes it rhyme. And that's why it works so well. Yeah. Right. It was on Scotty and Sulu, Uhura and Spock, and it was just, and it's yeah. got that cadence. It, yeah, very, yes. very great writing there. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Found, he found four characters you could throw together, so it worked. It worked so yeah. well. Uh, yeah. And this is one of the better versions of the wrong reindeer name joke, I think. Yeah, but no matter what follows is a pretty standard series of mishaps. I've come to expect every time a new Santa has to go down chimneys into strangers' houses. Yeah. He gets bitten by a dog. He knocks over a tree. He wakes up someone with a gun. These same <laughs> things happen every time we see a new Santa. Establish some basic training. Right. I mean, this is going back to my point of this is one of the most used plot lines in Christmas specials. And mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I like it. But uh, th- this montage is in every one of those stories oh, yeah. like uh mike you've covered many of these yes, like i, I think the john the johnny bravo special he does this oh yeah and like what you I mean what's i mean can you guys even think of like a favorite i mean there there are so many films and specials that does do the well for this one i guess uh bender is gonna have to be <laughs> yeah. santa this year <laughs> 
Uh, Anna Kendrick did it a couple of years ago in Noel, and that was played very, very well to her strengths. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm boring. I'm going to say uh, the Santa Claus is my favorite. That's just because when he comes down and he sees the little girl and he's all cranky and oh, no, I'm giving you your presents. What's wrong with you? <laughs> when you get to the end of the movie, he comes back. She recognizes him and she's like, ah, there it is. So the fact that they made the the uh, the crankiness and the being bad at Santa a plot point and then resolved it instead of just making it a gag really works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm partial to the Nightmare Before Christmas one. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, th- that's a really good one. Um, but I just I'm amazed at how many of our childhood cartoons did this like everybody like. Yogi Bear probably did it, and Daffy Duck did it, and like <laughs> I like it. I like that that wasn't said with any certainty. It was just, yep, Yogi Bear probably did it. <laughs> <laughs> like you can just list off. The only thing is, and Mike, you, thank God I'm on this show, and you can verify this. It feels like the Fonz should have done this, but Happy Days, Ooh. I don't think went took that step. But I don't just, know if it did, but I'm gonna find out. And if it did, I need to. But I by God, they need, I really wish they would have done that. But oh, yeah, man. this is just one of those things that just, it's such an easy way to tell a Christmas story by going, Santa's out of commission. You reluctantly uh, now are the replacement and you've got to, you got to fill in for the night. And then, as you said, you get all of these stumbling down falling down the chimney dog biting you chasing you across the living room like these montages are expected but they're also required yep and to be fair i can't remember any other one where a guy actually shot at santa so that's fun. <laughs> betty fred get me my gun i like that okay, good. i was I was gonna say did i mishear that did he say <laughs> betty fred no sure that's what he Sure did. What was that noise? Mice. Oh. Wait, who said that? Cat. Oh. Betty Fred, get my gun. Somewhere there's a uh, Barney Wilma who's just living in a... (laughs) (laughs) Well, in one house, Murray comes face to face with a very awake six-year-old boy with the voice of Tress McNeil who quickly gets wise after asking him, do your Santa Claus laugh. Do your Santa Claus laugh. Please, 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 please. And kids, if you're meeting Santa and the first thing you ask him is do your Santa Claus laugh, you're wide awake in the middle of the night. You've had ample time to think about what you might want to ask Santa should you manage to still be awake when he arrives. And it's just laugh for me, old man. And of course, Murray can't do it. He obliges. He tries to. <laughs> and what follows is him trying to laugh like Santa so much. His pants fall down. As they do. And he immediately says out loud, well, I'm going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this scene between that joke and uh, the use of Tress McNeil was when I realized how Simpsons adjacent mm-hmm. this special is because I recognized the child's voice. I was like, wait a minute. That's that's the stop. He's already dead, kid. <laughs> so, yeah. so I did the search and that's when I realized, wait a minute, Tress McNeil. I recognize that that name. 
and then tracked it back to Simpsons and realized that like every background voice who's not one of the main cast is somebody who does regular voices for the Simpsons. Yep. And Murray, of course, is wearing his boxer shorts with his own name stitched on him. And y'all know me. My first thought is Calvin Klein. It's written all over your underwear. <laughs> I have that in my notes that I was like, happy back to the future. Day, so now the kid's getting wise and tells, quote unquote, Santa, name your reindeer. And here's where the Star Trek names are. And the kid concludes, if you're a fake, Santa must be too. Not, oh, no, there's a man I don't know in my house. <laughs> Priorities, Mike. Priorities. Yeah, well. Isn't this the point, too, where Murray breaks kayfabe by saying wrestling is fake? Yes, uh, he does. <laughs> I, I don't have to tell you I cursed at my TV when he said that. <laughs> and so to prove Santa is real, he shows the kid to slay in the reindeer on the roof. And that's enough for this kid to realize Murray's filling in for Santa this year. And seeing the smile slowly grow on the boy's face fills Murray with the Christmas spirit. And now we get a ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. I didn't know what to expect coming into this. I guess I was expecting a lot more of being Santa sure is hard, but it's actually a very small part of this special compared to look at this crazy holiday town. <laughs> yeah, the the actual Murray delivering presence is maybe, what would you say, five, six minutes of the whole special? Not even. Not even. Murray actually saving Christmas now feels like the B-plot, but I don't mind. No. I do like the Grinch shout-out as he brings the boy in and he patted his head and he fixed him a lean pastrami sandwich with coleslaw and a triple-thick chocolate milkshake, <laughs> and he sent him to bed. Yeah. It's the only time that they break the cadence. And, and Dennis Haysbert nails it. Murray brought the boy in and he patted his head, and he fixed him a lean pastrami sandwich with coleslaw and a triple-thick chocolate milkshake. And he sent him to bed. He does. Yeah. He, yeah, it's such a mouthful, figuratively and literally. But uh, yeah, he he completely nails it. Uh, I really loved that because it's so unexpected. But then it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's like a diner chef. So, of course, he's going to be like, off to bed with you. Here's your <laughs> pastrami sandwich <laughs> yep. and your milkshake. Yeah, and later we see him having much better success around the globe, trying different treats left out for him in different countries, like a Yule log cake in France and fortune cookies in China and raw fish in Sweden. Meanwhile, Santa wakes up from his concussion thinking he overslept and someone stole his suit and sleigh. So he calls the police and it appears Stinky Cigars is a one cop town patrolled by Officer Bender Voiced by John Ratzenberger. Officer Bender, defender of laws. To whom am I speaking? My name's Santa Claus. Weirdo. <laughs> now, let me jump in here. Let's go back, if you will, oh, to yeah. the choice edits. This, the beginning of this sequence, this is where I would have chopped. Everything... You will you will be happy to know everything after this until the uh, the reprise of you got to believe gone just okay. non-existent. Wow. It, it was to the point that like I was watching and I was like man it's been a quick forty two minutes and I looked and there's still like twenty some minutes left 
and I felt like I felt like Stewie from Family Guy. I was like, "What the devil is this?" <laughs> so I'm I'm watching this stuff I've never seen before, and of course I now I know why. Even the part with the cop. This is where it was cut. Cops gone. Wow. Cop, and it's funny because he's actually, if you look in your in your DVR listing, um, Ratzenberger's listed huh. as being a voice, but the cop never shows up. Wow. Yeah. Well, here he is. I was wondering when old Cliff would show up in the podcast. I half expected some Pixar thing, but here he is, Officer Bender, whose uniform as an officer of the Stinky Cigars Police Department is fantastic. He's got... Mm-hmm. It's a regular motorcycle cop outfit, and he's got a Christmas tree badge on his arm. He's got holly on his shoulder pads. He's got an Easter egg on his motorcycle helmet, a jack-o'-lantern belt buckle, and a candy cane-striped billy club. And Santa reports his sleigh and reindeer stolen and then tries to find some way to get enough toys in time. So despite running a ruthless sweatshop, he's very committed to the Christmas Eve part of the job. He ends up putting on some long john's and a boot on his head and the closest thing he can find to a sleigh is a little pink bicycle so off he rides to any store that might be open at quarter to four on christmas morning any store at all and the only thing open at that hour in stinky cigars is a 24-hour convenience store and oh no oh boy behind the counter is a man in a turban who thinks santa's here to rob the place So he puts his hands in the air, all eight of them, and identifies himself as Vishnu. Yeah, this is this in even though it's only 2014, this thing did not age well. Yeah, this is just so wrong. This well, and I was I think I have a note in here. Yeah, late. Farther down on the pa- my page of notes is saying this could have been completely cut and everything would have been fine. And it sounds like it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, first of all, completely shocked that uh, Hank Azaria did not have, did not voice uh, Vishnu. No, it's it's Maurice LaMarche doing the voice here. Yeah. Could just but yeah. So. Uh, ah, man, uh, just just not cool. And yeah. the thing is is I, you know, the 30-minute version has the montage of him giving presents around the world, and they've got the, the, the shot of him giving the uh, the the eight gloves to, to Vishnu. And even that, I was like, wow, I can't believe they put that in there. Lo and behold, there was something way worse. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they even fall. And you know what? Even if they had just left it as, you know, ugh, okay, it's, it's uh, an a deity from a, another religion. He's behind the, the sh- an Indian religion. He's behind the, the counter. Okay. We get what you're going for, but then they do the eight arms bit where they just drag it out where he's like, okay, put down your arms. Now the rest of them, now your last two, that yeah. was bad enough. But then the joke with the, the, uh, what's your name? Vishnu, Vishnu, Vishnu wouldn't shoot me. Like, Guys, it's not okay. <laughs> no. It's not okay at all. That made 2014 feel both very recent and very distant at the same time. Totally. Totally. Yeah, this is what, what, what I was saying, that if you wanted to tighten this thing up, this plot uh, of Santa's kind of ad hoc attempt to still do his job 
I think this is the weakest part of the story to me. I think obviously the Vishnu part is just completely inappropriate and shouldn't be here. But I just think in general, this for if you're thinking of time, like I, I think you could tighten up the story by removing this part. Yeah, he's the only truly religious symbol in this town. As for holidays, Vishnu's connected with several in Hinduism. Two you might have heard of are Holi, the festival of colors in the spring, and Diwali, the festival of lights in November. But that's beyond the point. This is just out of nowhere for no reason, just because Mike Rice decided, well, he's at a convenience store. I'm going to go to my old standby racism. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do if you were going to do something like that. I mean, you could have do you could have done Diwali and done a pun with Diwali and Beaver and then you've got to paint it a day mascot. <laughs> there so you go. I would like, have hated that as much. Golden opportunity to do something clever to instead do something super racist. I know. The only saving grace of this whole segment to me is when Santa's looking for stores to be open. Salvador Dollies. Thank you. Salvador <laughs> Dollies is a great name. <laughs> I I have that in my notes. I was like, we have to talk about Salvador's Dollies. Yes. Just a fantastic A-plus joke. Should have gone there. Oh, well, it was closed. So, yeah, Vishnu is Santa's last resort. So he buys everything in the store, including pens and office supplies and bobbleheads, whatever they can find that resembles a gift someone would want somewhere. So off Santa rides with a giant bag of gifts on his back on this tiny bike, and he immediately rides into a tree and knocks himself out. That's where you find out that Santa's not great because he has the line, gonna bring this garbage to the little brats right before he smacks into the tree, <laughs> and you no longer feel bad for him. Like, <laughs> no. Good. Like, ah, uh, shame. Let Murray be Santa from now on. Yeah, well, let's check in on Murray. And up, oh, he's already done. Hooray. <laughs> and now Edison's curious as to how he was able to finish the Christmas Eve ride faster than Santa ever had. And Murray tells him to look him up and find out on Google or Bing or Bingle, which is a search engine featuring a talking Bing Crosby avatar. And we might need to make that exist. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a pretty fun little pun there. The uh, you're getting your little white Christmas sort of joke in. Yeah, and if he wanted a uh, if he wanted a picture of Murray, he could have used the abandoned Wikimedia Commons image searching tool, uh, Danny K. Flower. <laughs> <laughs> you see that the the Commons searching tool was called Mayflower. So. Yeah. Well done. Oh wow! But what Edison does discover from Bingle, is an old newsreel about a holiday we've never heard of before called Milkman's Day, which falls on August 12th. Yes, that's right, August, the hot, barren wasteland of the Gregorian calendar, had a holiday once. Milk was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, this is this is cut out too, Donnie? Yep. That's a shame. It really is. I like this this segment for a lot of reasons. I like the absurdity of Milkman Day. I like the the songs. I like like I 
all of this is uh, all of this is great and it adds to the story his origin yeah, so Murray was once Murray the Milkman, the mascot for Milkman's Day, who would throw bits of cheese to excited children watching the annual Milkman's Day parade. <laughs> He's the Easter bunny of butter. Yes. <laughs> but no one gets their milk delivered to them in glass jars anymore, so the whole holiday got forgotten, uh... which is quite thought-provoking. This is the opposite of what happened to Christmas which has become this amalgamation of holy traditions and just straight up weird stuff from around the world. And I love that about it. I'd rather have baby Jesus be very confused about why we're hanging plastic ornaments with pictures of other TV characters on them than to just have an entire holiday fade into obscurity. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. It's yeah, it's actually it's kind of an interesting plot point, and I'm so stunned that they would cut this. I think this feels vital to the story. Yeah, the only thing I could come up with because I tried to figure it out is that perhaps maybe the song is too uh, quote unquote blue because they have the line, He's the man for me, gives me vitamin D, and I was just is uh, that a reference to, to, I know we try to keep things PG around here, Mike. So I'm, you know, but is that a, a are they making a, a reference to, to slang that has become common for, for being sexualized? I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't even think that, even though it does sound like that one Christina Aguilera song. He's idolized because he's pasteurized. He's the man for me. He gives me vitamin D. Murray, 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 Murray. Door. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't go there. I mean, I I mean, I see where you're coming from, but yeah, it believe seems- me, I didn't think that that's where they were going. But it was <laughs> like, there's got to be some reason they cut this. Let me grasp at straws and find. Something. <laughs> yeah, you coming from the <laughs> angle of this was cut. I don't know why. Then that would pop out to me, probably. Yeah, um, right, right. I want to mention a sign gag during the parade. It's during the black and white newsreel, and there's a store called Sid's Flat Screen Radios. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Oh, that's fantastic. Because it's old. That's all. Great joke. Um, but having his holiday forgotten made Murray very sour, very angry, and caused him to shout at his love interest, Libby, that he didn't want to see her anymore because he was upset that he became nothing while she was a national treasure. I think he said, I put her on a figurative pedestal on top of her literal pedestal. <laughs> Which is a good joke. Yeah. Uh, and Edison tells Mary he proved tonight he's not nothing. He delivered gifts to every good child. And that makes Mary stop, think, and then ask, what about the bad kids? If Christmas truly is about giving, we should give them something, too. So he does, including a kid who drove his dad's car into the pool. And a girl who just as a joke popped a bag behind grandpa and gave him a stroke. <laughs> That's how I'm going, guys. Uh, <laughs> There's worse ways. Yeah. <laughs> but why stop there? Mary then proceeds to give gifts to people of other religions. So here's where we see Vishnu. And if you're Donnie, we're seeing him for the first time and wondering what? Uh, and Buddhists and Muslims and a pair of Jewish men because they needed to rhyme Hindus. So they said to fat and to thin Jews. 
who, by the way, have a holly wreath on the window shaped like the Star of David. (laughs) That was neat. Why not? So does this mean Santa usually brings a bunch of extra toys in his bag? Are they spares? And does Santa, like, yeah, that is a little confusing now that I'm, uh, because really, what are we guessing then? That is more than half the population he's not usually serving? Which, um, which ridiculous movie was it that had the bag? was an entrance to a pocket dimension. Was that the Kurt Russell one on Netflix? Yeah, the Christmas Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles, yeah. So maybe that's where, but that was, ah, that's pre-2000, that's post-2014. Technically, Uh, technically another movie where someone subs in for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Santa's got some access to a, a, some kind of pocket dimension of some sort and can get the, the bad kids some presents. I mean, it was a pretty big bag. I mean, let, let's just <laughs> yes, say it here, was. it was a pretty giant bag, but you're right. If you're, why are you filling up that amount? If you're usually going to be leaving out all those other people, it's not an exact science, Michael. It is truly, I am looking <laughs> for logic where there just is not filling up a bag with presents is not an exact science. Nope. Just, just fill it. Just fill it. No matter, Murray and Edison arrive back in Stinky Cigars as the sun rises on Christmas morning, just in time to get pulled over by Officer Bender, who asks to see Murray's license, drivers, pilots, poetic. That last one's important because it's the officer who finally calls out everyone's rhyming through this whole thing because it takes him four hours to do paperwork because he can't find a rhyme for aggravated this all. <laughs> Great joke. The only form of ID Murray has on him is his name stitched on his underwear. So Officer Bender searches Santa's bag to find just one toy in there. And oh, yeah, it's Chekhov's boxing glove in the Jack in the Box. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which now knocks out the cop. So Murray and Edison ride into town and all the other holidays and the elves are there waiting to find out how it went. And here comes our finale, because it's time to play on Christmas Day. Oh, it's time to play. Why? It's Christmas Day. That's right. Oh, it's time to play. And the elves do the peanuts dance, and the groundhog sees his shadow early. But they got it wrong. He says that means it's going to be an early spring, but that's supposed to mean six more weeks of winter. Boo. Boo. (laughs) And reluctantly, Murray sings a verse and they make it awkward for no reason by going all in on Now I'm Happy and Gay on Christmas Day. Now I'm happy and gay. When? On Christmas Day. Yes, I'm ever so gay. When? On Christmas Day. Yeah, this is is painful, but it's dragged out. It's such, it's so long, (laughs) this little bit here. Once again, another one of those jokes that you're like, this is 2014. Like if they if they mentioned it once and then because it's next lines, I don't mean it in that way, but that way is OK. But they decided to drag it out even longer than the Vishnu's arms bit. Yeah, <laughs> like it's they they pull at this joke for a while. I mean, so much so that at least you get kind of the post punch line where it's like, do you want to get out of here? And he's like, yeah, like 10 minutes ago. Like that's yeah. how. I mean, he even like like Murray's even understanding that it's like, yeah, this is getting a little weird. <laughs> and it's got to be uh, a callback to kind of the um, the sideshow Bob gag where he steps on the rakes 
And it's yeah. like, if you do it one or two times, it's, it stops being funny. But if you just keep doing it, 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 it becomes funny again. It's gotta be that that's just the way that they do comedy because it happens like three or four times in this special where they just drag jokes out past the point of reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do, but it never gets funny again here. It's like we're ending our Christmas special with a not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, that's where I kind of sensed it because I was like, okay, it's Jerry Stiller. We're kind of referencing a Seinfeld joke, but it it really goes on long and it's doesn't land really well and it's inappropriate. And it's your point. You're right. It's so close to the final scene of the of the special. It's an odd choice. And and I'll be honest, that was. Uh, the, that's what stuck out most in my mind about this special was that, uh, that, that one joke, it was, it's just, it's so, I don't want to say bad because I don't even think it's, it's, it's nothing like it's, it's so nothing that it's not even bad. It's, it's just, it's, it's just so dragged out and it, it, it so hurts the flow of the, it, it grinds the special, the special to a halt. Totally, yeah. Because it goes on for so long and it's so out of place from everything else that's going on that um, I'll be honest, I almost I almost deleted the special the first time I watched it uh, back in 2016. I almost just deleted it, but it stayed on there for five years because I can't get rid of anything. And so it, it all kind of worked out in the end. Yeah, but oh, they it, kept it, it, that part in. Yeah. Well, yeah. That once again, weird choice, but it's just it's not funny. Like that's the thing about no. it. It's just not funny. And to, to make that be literally in the final scene is just strange. It must be something that Mike Rice thinks is genuinely funny still. Uh, and again, I bring him up. He was a Simpsons showrunner because recently there has been a supercut video made of every LGBT joke ever told on the Simpsons and it's over two hours long. Whoa. Is the whole episode with the, uh, tchotchke salesman in there? Oh, yeah. they just everyone, everyone there? it's put together yeah. by Drew Mackey for his podcast. Gayest episode ever. I have uh, not watched the whole thing in a single sitting, but it's absolutely worth checking out. So after that, well, be- before we move to the next thing, I do want to say that the one saving grace of this song and it may have been, I didn't notice it in the first, uh, the first version of you got to believe, but in the reprise, uh, the chorus of father times, yes. each father time represents a different decade. And I thought that was a really oh. subtle, like note to throw in there. Yeah. And, uh, they don't make a big deal about it, but I mean, there's, there's an eighties guy in his high top shoes and tattoo. Yeah. Maybe he's nineties guy. I don't know. But, um, there's a seventies guy. I think there's a sixties guy and there's like a fifties guy. So I just, I thought that was a really neat, uh, character choice when they were designing those characters. Yeah. I guess they're supposed to represent father's day. There's no father's day in here other than these guys, Mm. but yeah, that is a very, very subtle joke, but I'm, I'm glad that you pointed it out. I forgot to write it down, but now that you mentioned it, I did notice that and it was pretty brilliant. But yeah, after that awkward moment at the end of the song that didn't need to exist, Murray starts up the sleigh again. They know you want to get out of here. Yeah. Only to stop at the sight of his long lost love, Libby. Did they cut that out? Yep. So they could so they could squeeze in the gay verse. They wanted so badly 
to cut that out that there's actually she's not in the shot at all. Like they scrubbed her from the panel. Oh, and when the, the, the sleigh flies off, she's not sitting in the sleigh. Just it flies off and that's it. She's she's gone. They put an extra work to get her out of there. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Libby comes back. She heard Murray saved Christmas and came back because that's the Murray she used to know. Joins him and Edison as they drive out of sight on Santa's sleigh for some reason. They just got back. But <laughs> then we get a quick epilogue that reveals Edison is now selling his inventions on the Elf Shopping Network. And Libby's working with Murray at the diner. And our Dennis Haysbert voice narrator is revealed to be Baby New Year. And we get a very important message in the sky. Don't forget, August 12th is Milkman Day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bringing I'm it back. Put it on my calendar. And then Bastille Day sings the French national anthem over the credits. Allons enfants de la patrie, le jour de gloire est arrivé. This thing has more endings than Return of the King. <laughs> I was, I know. It's like six endings on this thing. But but we're out. We made it. We did it. If you want to watch this for yourself, you can find it if you look for it. Uh, looks like it used to be available to stream by NBC, but not currently. Maybe they'll put it up on Peacock this year. We shall see. But any final thoughts on How Mary Saved Christmas? I think it's worth checking out. I think it is really bizarre, really silly. But as I said, it is a bit of a love letter to just Christmas specials in general. It it completely embraces the tropes. It uh, it has nods to you know the Peanut Special, the Grinch, as we've kind of mentioned, and. I, I I just think the the this town of all of the of the holiday icons is just such a unique idea and a fun idea to just go out and kind of like do as we've talked about is just kind of like seek them out and pa- press pause and figure out who the different characters are. If you're a holiday geek, I think I, I think you owe it to yourself to watch this one. It, it, it's it's fun. And, and for me, uh, you know, I, I would not have thought that a uh, one hour special built entirely around, uh, background gags from the Simpsons and songs that were cut from Christmas episodes of the Simpsons would have worked as well as it does, but it really does. And I think if you can get around the two really just not going to work in 2021 jokes and not going to work in 2014, if we're being perfectly honest jokes, then there's a lot of really good stuff here. It's absolutely worth watching. There's um, it's not for kids. I will say that I really don't think that uh, a a child is going to sit and and, and appreciate this. This is not something that you throw on during the holidays. Um, My my kids love it. Maybe it's really, Maybe it's just that <laughs> rapping Easter bunny. That um, might be it. And, and his gang of peeps, which I thought was a, a nice little. <laughs> that was a great Easter bunny gang. But, but yeah, uh, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't have kids, but maybe maybe I'm wrong that uh, that kids would would enjoy it. But I just I thought there was so much in there that the, the there's so many uh, uh, jokes that are made to to have adult knowledge to get yeah. them that I I can't imagine. Uh, it being a, a huge favorite 
of, of kids everywhere. But um, it's 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 got a lot of really good stuff in there. There's a lot of really good gags. Um, I I cackled at the uh, the Three Stooges bit. Yes. Um, and and maybe it was just because today was the, my first time seeing it because I'd become so accustomed to not seeing it in there. It was new to me. But uh, I just I cackled at that. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, the Salvador Dali's joke. I it was so <laughs> a plus. But. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good in there. It's really worth checking out. Um, it's a shame that those two jokes really uh, seemingly have have booted it from the regular rotation. Yeah, despite those glaring off color yeah. jokes that have no reason to be in there and were gladly cut from it and rightly cut from it. Uh, everything else that does work in this worked well. It's very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can create some sort of cut that brings Libby back into it and boots out those other parts that we don't need, that would be fantastic. Hashtag release the Libby cut. Hashtag right. release the Libby cut. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for getting me to watch this. It's been educational. I'm glad you finally did it, Mike. I wore you down after three years. <laughs> we finally reached the fireworks factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, if people want to give you a jack-in-the-box that punches people in the face, where can they find you on the internet, Donnie? Uh, I have uh, Twitter that is uh, Boxcar45. Um, also, my uh, my band has a SoundCloud. Uh, the band is Bronwyn's Ghost. Uh, so it's just soundcloud.com slash B-R-O-N-W-E-N-S-G-H-O-S-T. Uh, we do uh, original stuff, but right now all that's up there is uh, some fun Misfits covers. So, uh, yeah, go check them out. And they are fun. Highly recommend. Uh, and Michael. If you like the sound of my voice, you can hear me on the podcast, The Classic Film Jerks and the Pop Culture Retrofit Podcast. Search on all the podcasting platforms and the social medias and you'll find us. Yes. Thank you both again. Uh, And if you want to find out more about all the tangents and rabbit holes we went down today, check out the show notes or find this episode at adventcalendar.house. You can follow me on Twitter at FallWestMike. Tune in again in a couple of days for a new Scrooge Sunday edition of the Advent Calendar House. Till then, for Donnie Storms and Michael DiGiovanni, from the depths of a circular trench I created by pacing in the circle for hours... This is Mike Westfall saying, careful of the icy patch. And so ends our story. That's all that you get. I'd love to say more, but my diaper's wet. Happy New Year, y'all. And now, these messages. Hi, everyone. I'm Dwayne from the Tinsel Tunes podcast. And I have a questionably unhealthy obsession with Christmas. And I love Christmas music. So come with me on a journey as I go into detail about the history and stories behind a wide range of Christmas music. For instance, did you know that Silent Night has the honour of being the most recorded Christmas song of all time? And it has been recorded over 137,000 times by separate artists. Or that White Christmas was actually written in the height of summer. Each song, either recent or a golden oldie, has a background and I want to share them with you. Come join us for our second season and listen at tinseltunes.com. We are on all the main podcast services, or you can find us with a simple Google search. Also follow us on all the social networking platforms, and I hope to interact with you soon. 
next time on the Advent Calendar House. 